0: Welcome to Sunday's Messiah, this is our second episode on our identity in Christ. So last week we talked about the foundation we can have in our identity through the redemption Christ gives us, the the forgiveness Christ gives us, and the eternal security we have in Him. This week what we're really going to be talking about is being grounded in who you are in Christ by knowing who you were without Him. Now for this we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 to 11, so I'm just going to read through them now. that we should walk in them. So we were talking about our identity in Christ last week, how we can be grounded, how we can know how that we are totally saved. We're totally forgiven past, present, and future sins. We're now holy all because of Jesus, not because of our own doing, but all because of Jesus and the life he lived for us, the life we could not live. Now, what this is meant to do is to really help us realize that because our salvation is not based on us, and not on the works that we do, it continues to not be based on us. And a lot of us still struggle with self-condemnation. And why I think this is, is because many of us are still working and are still living in a works-based paradigm. We're still trying to save ourselves. Even if we're, we're proclaiming that we're saved by grace, we're really living the opposite. And more than this, we are expecting others to save themselves, especially non-Christians. And this is where you can see a really judge a, a, a judgmental attitude towards non-Christians, that you're expecting non-Christians to somehow deal with their sin before they even have a relationship with Jesus. But this is all based on a works-based paradigm. So, for most of my life, I've struggled with self-condemnation and condemnation with others. So, I, w- I always knew that I should be so much more, but I still sinned and it was infuriating. And one thing I always heard was that we just need to give up our sins to God. And I never really knew what this meant. And this is, I, f- I felt like this is just a thing Christians say. And what does it actually mean to be lifted from our sin when we still live in a fallen world and a fallen body? Like, how can we actually live in our new identity when we still deal with the reality of this fallen world and our sin? Now, one of my favorite hymns and i don't have many favorite hymns because i don't really know that many hymns but hymns are are pretty great but my favorite one and this is the most popular hymn is amazing grace now this song had huge popularity even outside of christian walls after the 9-11 tax this was the song they really used to try to rally people and help them unify so this was written in, 19, in 1779 by John Newton, and he was a noted Christian theologian. And what most people don't know about him is that before his conversion, he was heavily involved in the slave trade for a good portion of his career, transporting and selling slaves. And that is, he, he did that until he started following Jesus, and he, until he gave it all up. So when you hear the lyrics, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, you can now begin to understand that he really viewed himself in his true light. He knew what he was capable of. He was involved in one of the most terrible things you can do, which is selling another human being into slavery. He recognized his brokenness, his terrible actions. And so because of this, he was able to see how amazing grace is, how amazing the grace given to us by Jesus is, because someone even as terrible as him, regardless of all the things he has done, can be saved. And what I want to suggest today and what we're going to look at, it may seem kind of counterintuitive, is that we're never going to be able to be free of self-condemnation until we recognize how deep and how terrible our own personal sin is. And until we recognize and see that without a doubt in our minds, we could never save ourselves, we will always be trying to save ourselves and live th- live in a workspace paradigm. Until we see that there is literally no hope for us on our own, that we are, to- we are toast on our own without Jesus. We're always going to be trying to live on our own works. So we feel like we should be better. And most of the time we're, and even when we sin, we're pitying ourselves instead of being upset for the right reasons. A lot of the times we're self-pitying rather than humbling ourselves before God. We need to look at this internal sinful nature that's deep inside all of us without Jesus. And we need to recognize that all of us stand condemned without Jesus. We all need him. So we're going to address two main points and how they relate to our new identity in Christ. And this is the depth of our sinful nature. And then once we understand that, we're going to be talking about grace. So in Ephesians two, one to four, it reads, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, as we talked about last week, Paul is writing this to the Gentile Ephesians, which means they're non-Jewish, and he's helping them understand their identity in Christ to further live in their identity in Christ. And he's still talking about our identity here, but he goes back and talks about how we used to be. We're going to focus on verse one for right now, where it says you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This is important. All of us, me and you stood condemned and were once dead in our sin. And the problem we're presented with here, and I think this is something why Paul says this and he he, he says it so clearly, you were dead in your trespasses. Most of us don't feel that bad. Most of us Even though we know we sin, we really don't view view ourselves as that bad. And for the most part on the surface, and if we're looking at external sin, they're right. Most people don't murder or steal. Most people live really good lives. Even there's non-Christians all around the world trying to make the world a better place who are dedicating their lives to the betterment of mankind. Yet they don't believe in Jesus. This is where things get really tricky when we talk about hell and about not getting into heaven. And the problem with this is we're thinking about sin in its external nature and how it arises in our lives and how we're missing God's ideal. And that is sin. We lie sometimes, we feel bad, we talk about someone behind their back and we all do things that are against God's law and miss his ideal, but are we really that bad? So the problem here is we're missing, we're focusing on the minute details of our sin, the outward actions of our sin And we're completely missing the internal chaos in all of us, which is our sin, our sinful nature. So, so many of us spend time pointing out non-Christians outward sin, like homosexuality or drug use, or not being very, being a bit promiscuous maybe. And we completely forget that there is something way worse that is inside all of them. And that same thing was in us. And many of us forget what that is. And I think that a a big portion of this is that we have forgotten or have a warped idea of what the first sin was or what our sinful nature is. So to truly understand the depth of who we were without Christ, we must understand how sin came into us to begin with. Because if we believe, and many of us actually do believe us, that the original sin was just eating an apple when God told us not to, we will never understand the depth of our sin and how desperate our need is for God's grace. So, all the way back in Genesis, we're given the story of Adam and Eve and the forbidden fruit. And I could talk about this forever, but I'm going to try to be brief. So, God gave Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden and all the fruits in it, but told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, otherwise they would die. So, later they're in the garden, and the serpent Satan tempts them to eat from this very tree they are forbidden to eat from. The serpent says to them, You will surely not die For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So this verse is essential in understanding the sin in us. Even Adam were tempted by Satan not to just eat an apple. And it probably wasn't an apple, so don't worry if you eat apples out there. They were tempted to rebel against God. So Satan told them, you will be like God. The sin in all of us is a rebellion against God, a desire to be God ourselves. So our sin is pride. That says we know what is right for us. We know who we are. We want to be our own masters and dictate our own decisions without God. When we as a race ate from that tree, we joined Satan's rebellion against God. And God was right. We did die when we ate from that tree. We died and we'll all die physically, but we also died spiritually, which is way more significant. And that's why Paul talks about you were dead in your trespasses, Therefore, when you really look at a lot of world religions out there, they depict the gods as being far off, being distant, separated from us, because all of us know that there's something wrong with the human condition. We've fallen. Now, Paul says in Ephesians 2 verse 3, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So I'm not telling you this so that you can now realize how terrible people are but it's so that you personally can look at yourself and understand your absolute need for Jesus as your savior. And when you know this, how could you ever feel better than anyone else? So what this verse is depicting is the universal fall of mankind. We are all children of wrath. None of us were and none of us are good enough. And yes, some of us may not struggle with drug ad- or sex addictions, but all of us stand condemned in our rebellion against God, which is infinitely worse than those, ex- than those external actions. To be angry or judgmental about non-Christians' outward sin and, no- and not caring about their internal nature is equivalent to being angry that A prisoner who is on death row for murder is now stealing canteen money it's still wrong but it's not near as bad it's not near as urgent when we look at the non-christians we should be brokenhearted that they don't have a relationship with jesus not because of their external sinful actions they do those are irrelevant compared to their sinful internal disposition which is in rebellion against god almost every christian knows that we can't save ourselves Yet we expect non-Christians sometimes to deal with their sin without a relationship with Jesus. So if we think for a second that our new identity in Christ has anything to do with us, that it's anything to do on the good deeds or good actions we have done, we've missed the point. Our new identity has nothing to do with us and has everything to do with Jesus and his infinite grace for us because all of us are rebels. All of us are condemned to death by our own actions. Yet for some reason, the one we all rebelled against loved us so much that he would save us. And not only save us, he would die for us that our sin could be paid for. If we don't understand that, who we were without Jesus, we can never understand grace. And it's only by God's grace that we have redemption, forgiveness, and security in him. All of us have this deep rooted pride issue deep in all of us, this sinful nature that through the work of the Holy Spirit needs to be put to death. We all think we know what's best for us. We all think we're better than other people. We all think we can personally do better, be better. We uh, compare ourselves to others. We tell people at church we're doing fine when in reality our lives are not. We're mad at ourselves for sinning, not because of how it makes God feel, but because it humbles us. We don't like being humbled. Our lives are so full of pride sometimes. And it shows in a lot of different areas. And even in pastors and leaders of the church, this can show. Like, why do why do so many, many of us aspire to have big churches sometimes? it because we want all these people to know Christ and have a better relationship with him, or is it because of our own ego? Why do we compare sometimes how many people were baptized or saved? Is it because we're giving the glory to God or because we're giving giving the glory to ourselves? So our relationship with God will sanctify us, and sometimes it's going to be painful because many areas in our lives are revealed to be sinful. As we get closer to the light, with, which is Jesus, more and more darkness will be shown in us, and that has to be dealt with, and the Holy Spirit will de- deal with it as we're faithful to him so in the book of Romans, Paul is near to the end of his life. And one thing I always find so fascinating is in Romans chapter seven, Paul calls himself the worst of sinners. And is this because he was sinning externally all the time? I really don't think so. I think it's because he realized the closer he got to Jesus, the more he realized how hopeless he was without Jesus. He realized that without Jesus's blood, he was nothing. And that is what we need to understand. If we are to truly live in our new identity, and that is that it's all about Jesus, not about us, how could we ever be good enough? This is freeing. It may seem weird weird to find your own depravity freeing, but to know that you did nothing to deserve your salvation and that you continue to do nothing to deserve your salvation is freeing because it's all based on Jesus. It's all based on Jesus. And this grace is Amazing. It frees you to follow Jesus out of love, not out of fear of hell. Now, once we understand our sinful nature, we can look at God's amazing grace. So in Ephesians 2 verse 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ. By grace you have been saved. So when we realize how desperate our situation is without Jesus and how we're literally dead without him, then we can begin to understand his grace. He says that while we were still dead in our trespasses, he made us alive. The importance of knowing who you were before Jesus isn't so that you can feel bad about yourself. It's so you can feel free to know that your salvation is not based on you and continues to not be based on you. It's based on the life of Jesus and the death he had on your behalf. That's grace. That someone as undeserving as me, a rebel guilty of the highest treason on wanting to replace God with myself. Was saved by that very God. So live in that truth. and the Gospel of Luke, it depicts a story in chapter 23 of Jesus' crucifixion. So Jesus is on the cross, and there are men on either side of him. And now a lot of you may know this story, but to give you some background, so there's two men being crucified with Jesus. Now we know that they're either bandits or rebels and most likely murdered people. So they were justly crucified for their actions by the Romans. They knew the penalties when they committed the crimes. So what's interesting is we are told in the gospel of Matthew that at first, both of these men were mocking and insulting Jesus on the cross. But in Luke, we hear more about what happens after. So the man on the cross beside Jesus, from what we, we really don't know that he would have known much about Jesus. He may have heard or seen some of Jesus's ministry, but it's more likely that he didn't really know anything about Jesus and is apart from that day. So in the midst of all of this hopelessness, being nailed on the cross for his crimes and soon to depart this world, he literally had nothing to offer Jesus. He had no life left. He was just hanging on a tree until he died. He could do no good works. But in this moment, he recognized Jesus as God and criticized the other criminal for mocking Jesus still. He recognized that he deserved this punishment. He deserved every second of it. And he knew that in that moment, Jesus was God. And he threw himself onto that last lifeboat, he said, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. And Jesus responded to him saying, today you will be with me in paradise. So that guy didn't do anything to earn his salvation. He didn't live a great life. He didn't read his Bible or go to church. He wasn't baptized in water. All he did was cry out to Jesus as his only hope to save him. This is equivalent to someone in our day and age Being given um, lethal injection. And there's still people today who get lethal injection for their crimes. But at the end, if one of them just cried out to Jesus as his savior, he would be saved. And a lot of us have a hard time dealing with this because we don't like this. We want it to be based on our actions. We feel like some people are too far gone. But if we're only looking at external actions, we're going to miss the point. These murderers and murderers today have the same sinful nature we have without Jesus. We are equally condemned as them without Jesus as our Savior. Are we still hoping in ourselves and our own actions? If we try to save ourselves, that only leads to condemnation. And when when we sin, are we humbled by the grace of God that he forgives us constantly and has forgiven us for our past, present, and future sins? Or are we mad at ourselves for not being a good enough person? Be free and know that you cannot ever live a good enough life and give it up to Jesus. Through this, you will experience real change. Not because you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about Jesus. Last week, we we talked about last week how we're holy, how we're now saints. But this is not based on us or anything we do. It's based on the blood of Jesus. Are we believing this? Or are we trying to convince ourselves that we're saints through our own actions? This should set the foundation for our lives. that We're no better than anyone else. That we are saved truly by Jesus that nothing we could do could ever save us because we have been rebelling rebelling against God So what does this mean for your life this morning? Are you struggling with in, your new identity in Christ? Are you having lots of sin in your life still and maybe you're feeling like you're not good enough maybe you feel like so far in your Christian journey you, you're so far along it you' you don't know anything. remember that Paul near the end of his life after giving everything for Jesus, still considered himself the worst of sinners, not because he sinned a lot, but because he recognized that his new identity, who he is, is not based on him or his works. Because if it was, then he would be justly damned to hell because none of us are good enough. As well, this should change our hearts towards non-Christians. Paul gave his life to bring in the gospel to the Gentiles. He wasn't judgmental of them because if it wasn't for Jesus, he still equally condemned with them. So when we see people walking drunk or smoking or doing drugs or, or, or being in um, non-ideal relationships with others or homosexual relationships, our hearts should not go to judgment because they need a relationship with Jesus. And guess what? We are equally condemned without them, without Jesus. So how could we judge them? For most Christians out there, We are here believing in Jesus because someone else told us the good news. They loved us and they walked with us and tried to help us understand this hope we could have. Our hearts need to break for the lost because they're looking for things to believe in and are being lied to by the enemy because they need Jesus and it's our role to give them this. Through Jesus' redemptive work in their lives, they will be able to get past their sin, but not before they have a relationship with Jesus focus on that this week. Focus on how great God's grace was for you. And don't be judgmental on yourself or condemn yourself or condemn others, but just realize how free you are because of the blood of Jesus, not because of your own actions, but because of the life that Jesus lived for you. And I hope that this puts to death any last vestiges of you trying to save yourself, because we can't, and we're not going to be free if we continue to do that. That's it for this, uh, this week's message. Next week, we're going to be talking about citizenship in the kingdom. It'll probably come out in less than a week just because I'm backtracking some sermons I've already done, but I hope this really helps you and I'll be praying for you guys out there. I hope this helps you in your faith. All right. See you next week.